Who's ready? I'd like to just measure the measure of the mood. Who's ready for a new year? Now is the time when people begin to think about making changes in their lives, right? Right? Gym membership skyrocket for about 48 hours. We clean out our refrigerators, we throw out all the junk food and commit to eating only broccoli. Yeah, but then Super Bowl comes and then we got to get then we got to get some junk food, right? I mean, Super Bowl, you got to have chips and dip, right? And then Valentine's there's chocolate, ah, forget it. March Madness, more more junk food. Then it's summertime, ah, brats. Anyway, But this is that that time that it just is that it's that I realize that there's all you know there's the the nerdy perhaps quasi grumpy person in the room that's going to say well now Doctor Nav it's just a calendar just a calendar it's just hours it's nothing's really changing it's it's just paper I know all of that but there's still just maybe it's there's the kid in me but there's still just something about the new year. It's fun to say. I hope you'll say it today. Make someone make, do the bad jokes today. Say it to everybody. See you next year. <laughs> we thought it was hilarious when we were kids. Years ago, New Year's, New Year's, I, I said goodnight to my kids. Spencer was very small, and I said, see you next year, and he cried. <laughs> he thought I was going to be gone a long time. That was worth it. He survived. But the truth is, anytime that we give ourselves permission to envision the future differently than the present or differently than the past or even better than the future or the past, anytime we give ourselves permission to look ahead and see something brighter, better, more peaceful, more prosperous, that is good. That is called hope. Hope is that joyful anticipation of good. Anytime. If you can look through the lens of faith, and by faith, see what is in the heart of God. Faith lets us see and feel what is in the heart of God toward us. Faith lets us hear the voice of God saying to us, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. I have them. I, the plans I have, plans. You know, a plan is something that you think of, that you design, that you spend time creating. The Lord says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to give you a hope and a future. Faith lets us access and see what is in the heart of God for us. And if we can, through the lens of, the lens of faith, see and then take the next step, then almost anything is possible. So every year we do this. I'm going to ask you to look through the lens of faith and ask what can be.
and then take the next step and make it so. Are you ready? If this is, if you're new or this is the, your first year, maybe listen, to some, have, listen carefully to those around you. Somebody say, look thither. Look thither. Oh, say it again, look thither. look thither. There's a difference. You know the difference between, look, there's, there's looking thither and looking hither. Yeah. To look hither is to look right here. Is to be, is to be, to look hither is to be consumed with or eclipsed by or contented with what is. To look only at what is. But we aren't just looking at what is. We are looking by faith at what can be. Look. Try it one more time. Look. You're all going to have to say it. Here we go. Once there was a great kingdom. The kingdom was known throughout all the lands for its splendor and its magnificent buildings, its great terraced gardens and bountiful farms. But through time, all that had changed. Now, the once great buildings were falling down and in need of much repair. The farms were now small and did not grow enough food for the kingdom. The poor villagers would oftentimes go to bed hungry. The people of this kingdom were not just poor by way of things. They were poor of spirit. There was no joy in their town. Rarely was music heard. Worst of all, people had forgotten why their kingdom was once great. The king of this land did not look as you might expect a king to look, for he did not have a magnificent throne or flowing robes or even a golden crown. He was the king of a poor kingdom, and he looked quite ordinary and poor himself. His castle was always cold and in need of repair. Aren't you glad we fixed the HVAC in this house this year? Hallelujah. He did not entertain the kings of other lands, for he was greatly ashamed of his kingdom. This is not part of the book, but do you know that I love to host people in this house? I love to host pastors and visitors and guests. It's wonderful. To the end of, to the, pardon me, to the east of this unhappy land was a beautiful kingdom with great farms and glorious cathedrals and castles. There were lovely gardens adorned with fine sculptures and sparkling fountains. Night and day, the breeze from the city walls carried the most exquisite music and enticing scents. It made the people of this land even more unhappy to look upon the wealth of their neighbors, for despite their poverty, the people prided themselves on once having been a great kingdom. The king did not often leave his castle, for he was weary of the complaints of his subjects. One day, as he sat down to a meager dinner of bread, a slab of cheese, and boiled mutton. I've never had boiled mutton. Don't know that I want to, but it sounds very sad. <laughs> then there came a knock at the castle door. The king's servant opened the door to find an old man with a, which a, with a large oak walking stick. Hi, or pardon me, hail, said the man. I'm, I'm but passing through your kingdom to the village to the east. I'm looking for an inn to spend the night. The servant frowned and said, this is not an inn, this is the king's castle. The traveler looked around in response and said, this is not much of a castle. <laughs> I, the servant, agreed. But still, the man said, I am weary and I, I'd like to stay here. Well, you must ask the king. Well, lead me to him. 
The servant led the old man down a dark, cold hallway to the king's dining room, and the king looked up from his meal as the man entered. You are the king of this land, the old man asked. I am, the king replied. You do not look like much of a king. The king frowned and said, well, I'm the king of a poor kingdom. Our farms don't grow. Our buildings are falling down. The gas prices are pretty high. The interest rates are way too high. And have you seen the inflation? We add to the book sometimes. And my people weary me day and night with their complaints. We were once a great kingdom, but all that has changed. The old man nodded slowly and asked, well, why don't you change back? Change, the king replied angrily. Well, we have tried that only to fail. We lack the knowledge of what once made this kingdom great. You lack but one thing, said the man, and if you'll give me supper and lodging for the night, I will on the morrow show you why you fail. The king looked at him thoughtfully and then said, motioning to the platters of bread and cheese and meat, well, eat your fill. The servants brought in a wooden platter and the old man ate with the king and when he had finished his meal, he was led away to his room for the night. But as the king rested in his bed, he wondered if that traveler had tricked him. But the next morning, the man came to the king in his throne room and said, well, you've lived up to your part of the bargain. Now I will live up to mine. Follow me. The king followed the man to the castle balcony. There the man brought out a long, round canister and pulled from it a brass tube with a sewn leather cover. A spyglass. He raised the spyglass to his eye and looked over the land until a smile crossed his face. Then he handed the spyglass to the king and said, Ah, pretty good. Let's all try it. He handed the spyglass to the king and said, Look thither. The king looked through the glass. He could see farms and gardens and magnificent castles and cathedrals. He saw affordable gas and groceries. He lowered the spyglass and said impatiently, I have seen the wonders of the Eastern Kingdom. I hear far too much from them. You are mistaken, said the old man. It is your own kingdom that you see. The king again raised the spyglass. This time he recognized the hills and the glens of his own kingdom. But where there had been barren pasture, there were now fields of grain stretching as far as the eye could see. His own people were in the fields. Their wagons were overflowing with harvest. You are a wizard, said the king. It's a trick of a glass. Oh, it's no trick, said the old man. But when the king put down the glass, the kingdom looked the same as it did before. Well, nothing has changed, said the king. No, said the old man, change requires work. He said, but you must see before doing. You have seen what might be, said the traveler. 
Now go and make it so. After two harvests, he said, I will return for my spyglass. The king on horseback went out into his kingdom. He rode until he came to the edge of a once beautiful garden, now overrun with weeds and thistles. No one walked in the garden, no one played in the garden, and and people were standing outside of its gate and letting the children play in the streets. Why do you not use the garden, the king asked them. Well, it's not fit, sire, replied a woman. So it is not, agreed the king, but it could be. Somebody say it could be. It could be. Ah, it could be. The king held out the spyglass. One by one, the villagers looked through the tube at the garden. The weeds and thistles were gone, and the lawns were lush and inviting. But when they set down the glass, the garden had returned to its overgrown state. It's an amusing device, said one man, but it's of no use. No use, said the king. Behold, knave, and the king went into the garden and began to pull the weeds out by his own hands. And the villagers watching the king pulling the weeds began to join them, and one by one they pulled away at the weeds. And as they did, they began to uncover a large marble statue of an angel, its wings spread, its face looking toward heaven, and the people stared at the statue in awe. At length, the king mounted his horse. It should not be lost on us that faith leads us to worship, not of the angel, but what they beheld when faith begins to be at work, we begin to see the the hand and the work and the heart of God. At length, the king returned to his, he mounted his horse, but before he left, he said, you have seen what might be, now make it so. The king rode farther down the road until he came to a farmer sitting on the ground threshing grain with a small flail. How goes it, man, the king asked. The weary weary farmer didn't even look up. Can't grow enough even to feed ourselves, sire, the farmer said. The king lifted his spyglass from his coat and said, come hither, good man. Behold your farm. Behold your family. Behold your future. Behold your life, your heart, your home, your relatives. Behold. Look thither. The farmer lifted the eyepiece to his eye and gasped. It's sorcery. No, said the king. You have seen what can be. Now go and make it so. Here we go. Farther down the road, the king came to a crumbling cathedral. The roof had rotted and fallen in, and it was no longer safe to enter its arched doors. There were tents pitched outside where a small congregation had gathered. The king rode his horse up to the tent, and the friar stood before the people, but stopped at seeing the king, and they all turned to see him. Why do you meet in tents, the king asked. Why, sire, our cathedral has fallen. He said, why have you not rebuilt it, he said. Why have you not renovated it, he said. Why have you not leveled the floor and raised the roof, he said. Why have you, listen, I'm going to tell you, just just be patient to part of what's coming, but why have you not yet added over 2,000 square feet of children's ministry space? (laughs) 
See for yourself, said the king, handing him the spyglass. The friar looked The friar looked through it and saw a new cathedral, larger than the decaying building, more elaborate, adorned with beautiful sculptures of saints and cherubs, room enough for everyone to sit and move, nobody falling downstairs. The friar stared in awe. He said, by the grace of God, I have seen a vision. The king said, you have seen what can be. Now go and make it so. Day by day, the king went out until he had visited all the people of his kingdom and shown them what might be. Though there were those who would not look through the glass. And those who refused to believe what they saw. The greater part of the villagers looked with wonder and with hope. That same year, there was a plentiful harvest and the farmers filled their wagons with barns and grain. But not just the farmers prospered. The wagon builders were busy building wagons to carry all the grain. The millers were busy milling the grain into flour. For the first time, as long as the villagers could remember, there was more than enough to eat. Music and dancing again filled the streets. Old buildings were repaired. New buildings arose, including the beginning of the most majestic cathedral in the land. As promised, two harvests later, the old man returned to the kingdom. He almost did not recognize the castle, for so greatly had it changed. And when he saw the king, the king, he said, the king said, My friend, I have awaited your return. Look what your prosperity, look what prosperity your spyglass has brought my people. Let us make merry and prepare a great feast in your honor. <laughs> the old man smiled and said, Well, you've done well. But I cannot tarry. I have only come for my spyglass, and then I'll be on my way. The king said, in the two seasons since you blessed us with your arrival, we have accumulated much treasure. In exchange for your spyglass, I will trade all the gold in the royal coffers with men and wagons enough to carry it to wherever your destination You've spoken wisely, said the old man, for the gift of the spyglass is worth more than all the gold in all the coffers in all the kingdoms of the land. But keep your gold. You no longer need the spyglass. But there is still much to be done, said the king. How many believe there's still much to be done? There's still much to be done. Yes, said the old man, but you no longer need the spyglass. You can see without it. Well, how is it possible, asked the king. The, the, the spyglass only showed you what could be if you believed. For it was only faith that you and your people lacked. Faith lets us see and feel what is in the heart of God for us. The king shook his head in disbelief. How can this be? Faith is foolishness. So says the fool, the old man said. Faith is the beginning of all journeys. It is by faith that the seed is planted. It is by faith that the foundation is dug. It is by faith that each book is penned and each song is written. Only with faith can we see that which is not 
but can be. The eye of faith is greater than the natural eye. For the natural eye only sees a portion of the truth. But the eye of faith sees without bounds and without limit. I had not supposed, said the king, and that is why you once failed, said the man. But faith is why you now succeed. He placed his hand on the king's shoulder and with a smile said, you have seen what can be. Now, go and make it so. And although the old man and his spyglass were never seen again in the land. The kingdom continued to prosper and became again the great kingdom of old. Yet despite their abundance of food and their beautiful buildings, their lush gardens and majestic cathedrals, it was ever said of that kingdom that their greatest treasure was their faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one says that says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Conviction, it's the substance, the evidence of things not seen. Faith lets me see. James chapter two and verse 26 says, faith without works is dead. So then faith lets me see and then leads me to act. You want to say that sentence with me. Faith lets me see, then leads me to act. This is looking thither. First, faith lets me see. What does faith do? Faith searches the storehouses of God's word and finds hope. Faith is the currency I take with me to the storehouse of God's word. And there I use faith. Not only is it the currency, it's the receipt. It is the receipt. That is, it is the evidence I have already, I already have. It is, the, it is the assurance of things hoped for. So I search the word of God for hope and I apply faith to it. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for eternity. There are so many in this house that, 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 you, that the word of God's the promise that there is more than this, that there is a life after this, there is a power of the age to come, that there are people and a life that are waiting for us on the other side that gives us comfort, that gives us hope. And faith is the currency we bring with us to say yes. But there's hope for tomorrow hope for today, there is hope for protection, there is hope for God's provision, there is hope for God's direction. If we sow, we will reap. If we trust him, he will guide. If we give, it will be given to us. If we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be opened. Faith lets me see what can be and then hope. And then secondly, faith leads me to act. I see what can be, and then I take the next step of obedience regardless of how I feel or how different it feels. If it's not different, it will stay the same. 
faith is consistent. Faith is patient. Faith endures. Faith is also bold and unnerving, sometimes a little upsetting. Many times, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Since we're close to Christmas, we should consider the only scriptural advice. How many think you should listen to your mama? Some of us. How many think we should listen to Jesus, mama? Right? You think Jesus, mama knew a thing or two. You know, there's only one advice, one instruction. There's only one directive we hear from Mary. Well, if the first thing we hear is a praise, she's a worshiper, we should pay attention to that. But there's only one directive, one, one instruction from Jesus, mama in the Bible. One of them. One thing. It's when she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. It may feel different. It, 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 may, it may seem impossible. It may be very, whatever it is, do what he says. If he says, fill the jars with water, fill them. If he says, get out of the boat and walk, do it. Even if he says, take up your mat and walk, Faith has always been a, a, a looking thither. Faith is always meant to look thither. For, for we in this house, we need to look through the lens of faith. It's this is a season for us to pause and to look through the lens of faith and to ask the Lord in his heart, to see in his heart what can be for this house and for your house. Now, I want to say I understand that for some of us, the spyglass may feel heavy. It may be weighted by disappointment. It may be weighted by grief. For others, the clutter of uncertainty and, the, and coming change has caused us to bl our vision to be blurred. And for many of us, we are just numbed by a long season of routine. But for all of those reasons, and because of the responsibility in front of us and the opportunities that yet remain, more than ever, we must look through the lens of faith. Faith will let us see. Faith will lead us to act. The life of faith has always been one where God has called us to look thither. Abraham is the father of the faith. Genesis chapter 12, the first time we see, we see a person begin to respond to God with faith. But if God takes the initiative. God says to Abraham, look thither. Leave the land that you're familiar with. Look thither and go somewhere you've never been before, but I'll lead you there. He says to Abraham, look thither, try to count the stars. And I'm gonna give you that many offspring. And he had no children. He says to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all nations. God said, look thither. And Abraham obeyed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
David was literally put out to pasture. The youngest of his brothers sent out to the furthest pasture to care for the sheep. Overlooked and insignificant, but Samuel said to David, oh, look thither. God looks on the out, man looks on the outside, but I look upon the heart. And he had a calling and an anointing for David. Jesus said to simple fishermen, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Look thither. The gospel itself is a message to all of us that says, look thither. That is a message that says we look, not no matter what we enjoy today, no matter what degree of God's presence or God's promise or God's providence that we enjoy today, this day is not our day. There is a day coming. The gospel is a simple message that says, look thither. There is a day ahead. Our redemption, our salvation is yet to come. We are a people stamped with eternity, awaiting the day for Jesus to return. Our whole life is characterized by the call to look thither. What about this house? I was reading through the book of Haggai this year, my one-year Bible, as it was concluding. And as I was reading through that text, I was, I was impressed that it is time to move with a sense of urgency and enthusiasm for this house to renovate, to enlarge our capacity to serve adults and children. Hear me, I know that there's a, a literal difference between the, the, the building of the, the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and the, and the renovating of a local church. I know that there's a, a difference there. But the spirit of the passage still gripped me because in the passage, God takes personally when we give our energy and our resources to improving the place where we gather in his name. It moved me to rally this house to see our future differently, larger, sweeter, stronger, to look thither. Three years ago, three, three years ago was the first time that we did the, um, uh, we had Christmas services. We had four services. Boom, 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 boom. First time, four services. I made that demand upon my staff and volunteers. Four services. Karen was there volunteering. Four services. And we had, brace yourself, buckle up. Are you ready? We had, in that, that, that first Christmas time, we did four, four services. We had 401. Not 400. We had We had 401 people come to Christmas and we were like, oh, it was a record. We blew a record. We were amazed. We were impressed. We were excited. And it was following kind of an odd season three years ago. Not mentioning anything, just saying. It's a little bit of a season. Maybe people weren't, you know, we had 400. We had over 400 people. It was amazing. Last week for Christmas, 1,058 people participated. It's time. It's 
time to expand. It's time to renovate. We got to enlarge this place. We got plans. We'll talk about it. We'll have meetings. We'll tell you. We'll vote all the things. We'll do all the things. But it's time that we begin to envision uh, expanding our capacity to serve adults and children well. We must continue to pray and believe God, where's Mike, for our satellite churches and planting new churches and empowering new churches that will all have their own personality but share our DNA and our culture. The call has gone out for all to come home. And home they will come. And we will prepare a place for them. I shared with Michael just last week that my, my prayer, like just a simple prayer, I like to make things simple, simple, simple statements that I repeat. I said, Michael, I pray every seat, every service. Every seat, every service. Why? Because, nothing, no, no, no offense, but an empty seat offers no praise. An empty seat offers, can't pray for another brother or sister, can't encourage anybody. So I pray every seat, every servant, it's time. And as the Lord said in the book of Haggai, chapter 2 and verse 9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the former. And in this place, I will grant peace. The book of Acts says, and the church living under the fear of God and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, they had peace and they were strengthened and they multiplied. Zechariah 2.5 says, the Lord says, I myself will be a wall of fire around them, declares the Lord, and I will be their glory within. This will require all of us to look, to look thither, to see what can be, and to boldly, faithfully act. That's this house. But what about your house? What can you see through the lens of faith for your house? Perhaps healing. Hope. Healing of hearts. The Lord redeeming and working through how will the Lord help overcome seasons of disappointment or grief? How will the Lord restore hope and again crown your life with joy? Can you see? Oh, for some, I imagine it's so difficult, but that's why we have the lens of faith to see. What does faith let you see for your home? What what dreams will faith paint upon the canvas of your imagination? What can you hear or feel or see in the heart of God for you? Do you believe that in God's heart, he has good for you? And having seen it, what will you do? How will faith lead you to act? What new things will you do? Or what same things will you do faithfully? How will you give? How will you love? How will you serve? How will you obey God? How will you pray? I know for myself, 
as I've been looking through the lens of faith, it's looked a little differently for me, for my own heart, for my own heart. I, I, I see the Lord calling me to, to learn and to live more so a life of praise. To let praise govern my heart and my mouth. I gotta learn. I know, it's not that I don't know, but I just feel like the Lord says, ah, there's more I want you to know and to do. I wanna live a life of praise. And to be totally candid, I, have, I feel like the Lord has invited me, called me to, to lean into and to understand mercy. To begin to come to him, abandon, don't come to him not by merit, but by his mercy. To learn to live under his mercy and to give it away generously. These are things that I feel in my heart. Because regardless of what is, no matter how it is, there is more. If we will look thither. You have seen what can be. Now go and make it so. Let's stand together as we close. Father in heaven, we pray that you, by your grace, by the working of your Holy Spirit, would draw us into the knowledge of your word, that we would, in your word, discern what is in your heart for us, that faith would bring us to the storehouses of the word of God for hope, and that faith will move our hands and our feet and our mouth to act, to take the next step, believing that there is more.